We're going to be finishing up chapter 6 today. We're going to be looking at verses 31 through 34. We've been talking about this M6 project. We've been talking about all the aspects of our lives of how and, and, and God, as he works in and through our lives, how he calls us to move, all right? And how he calls, he's intentional, he's purposeful. God wants us to grow in our faith. He wants that faith to be shown in us. So today as we're going through, I want you to think for a second about all the things that go on in your life and about all the things. Just stop for a second, close your eyes for, for just a moment. I mean, I want you to think about all the things that are transpiring in your life right now, all the things that you're dealing with. Now open them back up for a minute. How quickly can we lose focus in what God wants to do in our lives? With all this stuff spinning in our heads, when all the things that we have, that, that all the balls we're trying to juggle, all the things that we're trying to take care of, all the ways in which we're being pulled in different directions, it is extremely easy for us to lose focus upon what God is trying to do in our lives. And the whole point as we end this chapter right here is for us to retain our point of focus, which is Christ Jesus. And so as we've thought about all this stuff and as we've, as we've dealt with our prayer life, as we've dealt with giving, as we've dealt with learning how to be a generous person where our treasure is, as we've talked about faith, as we've talked about prayer life and what that truly means as we pray to God, as we've gone over every aspect of that, God wants us to focus, all of that is focused intently upon Him. But everything else that is spinning in our life is focused intently not on Him. And it causes us to have to make choices. It causes us to have to uh, change direction sometimes. In fact, in chapter 7, it's all about choices. It's all about learning how to make the right choices in our lives and direction and and everything that we do. But as we close here in chapter 6, Christ is trying to speak to us and telling us to stay focused. Stay focused on Him. And so the Scripture says this, It says, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Our focus. The question I want to ask you today is, is our life about autonomy or is our life about submission? I want you to think about that for a second. Is your life focused on your autonomy or is your life focused on your submission to God? Because when we boil all this down to our faith walk with God, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to our autonomy or our submission to God. Are we focused on the daily activities of life? Now think about this. Jesus Christ just gives us in verse 31, he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what you're going to wear. I mean, those are the basic necessities of life, right? These are the very basic things that we get up every day and we go to work for. We go to work so that we can earn money, so that we can buy food, and so that we can have clothes and have a home and all the other things that we desire. God says for us through Christ Jesus right here to us in the Sermon on the Mount, don't even worry about those things. You don't even need to worry about the basics of life. Now I want you to think about Christ's life. What did he own? What did Christ own? He basically owned all that he had on, right? That's all he owned. And when he died on the cross, what were they doing? 
They were dividing up lots to see who got all the rest of his stuff. In other words, just his clothes they were dividing up. He didn't have anything. He couldn't even pay his taxes. He had to go pull a fish out and get the money out of there, right? And go pay his taxes, the stuff that they wanted him to pay. He didn't, there was no worries or no cares about any of these things which we focus intently on every day of our life. How, do any of you think of how you're going to take care of yourself in five years from now? Ten years from now? Twenty years from now? Do we think about, you know, where's the money going to come from? How are we going to pay the bills? What happens if we get sick? What happens if this happens to us? You see, we try to prepare our lives. I'm not telling you that you don't save, okay? I'm not telling you that you should not, you know, have things set aside in case something bad happens. I'm not, that's not what this is about at all. What it is saying is that that should not be our focus. If we spend all of our time here now thinking about what we want, what we need, it's going to be lost in all of that. And when we lose sight of what is truly important to us, then our focus is not on God. Our focus becomes ourself. It becomes, our life becomes self-centered. When our life becomes self-centered, we're of no use to anybody. We're of no use to God, and we're of no use to those who are around us because we're not thinking about anybody else but ourselves. And when our decision base becomes based off of, of just ourselves, then we have lost our relationships with God and with those who are around us. We cut ourselves off this way. And we think that we have got it all taken care of, but when in reality, it can all go away from us just like that. We lose everything when we think this way. So scripturally, today, are you about autonomy or are you about submission? Autonomy is focused on independence. When we're autonomous, we focus on our independence, on our wants and our needs. Psalm 23.1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We shouldn't want. We should be looking at what we've been given. And remember how we talked about stewardship just a few weeks ago about treasures and storing up treasures in heaven. If we, if we were truly good stewards, we would be thinking about how good am I taking care of what I've already been given? My dad used to tell me I was hard on vehicles because he paid for all my repairs, brakes, tires, oil changes, everything like that. He said, you're, you're hard on cars. One of these days, you're going to be paying for that. And when you're paying for it, you'll learn how to drive. And guess what? As I got older and had to start paying for that, I was like, don't hit those brakes like that. Don't start. Did you realize you left a mark back there? That's a tire. That bad boy costs 75 bucks. You're not spending any money for that. I'm paying for that. You know, your whole aspect and reality of all that changes, doesn't it? When you're responsible for it. Why is that? Because it was something that you weren't even thinking about before, right? At all. And when we're, when we're focused on ourselves, we don't think about anybody else. Ah, daddy's paying for that. I ain't got to worry about it. It's all good. But the truth is, is that we, when we, that happens, we lose total focus. We lose total consciousness of reality, really, with all of that. And we think that because it's free to us, 
that it's not of value and of worth, but it is. The free gift of salvation is the most valuable thing that any person could ever have. And it's given to us as a gift, and we treat it like junk. We treat it like junk because we're not focused upon the value of it. We're focused on ourselves. The Lord said, we shall not want. He's our shepherd. He's our God. Independence does not come from our autonomy. Us being autonomous does not give us independence. We think it brings us freedom. It doesn't. It actually jails us. Because the more we think about ourselves, the more trouble we get into. And when our focus is just on us, we can get ourselves in a mess in a hurry. Because then we start making decisions thinking that our decisions don't... When you throw a rock into a lake, what happens to the water? It ripples out, doesn't it? Do you know what? The same thing happens with our decision life and decisions in life. When we make them, they ripple out. But so many times we make them independently thinking that that's not going to have an effect on anybody else. But it does. Our lives affect those who are around us. Here's a story in the Old Testament from Joshua chapter 7. Now, they've entered into the promised land. They've already taken Jericho. The walls just came down. Well, the next city that's down the road is Ai. Ai is nothing. Nothing at all. As opposed to Jericho, a fortified city, Ai is nothing. But the Lord gave specific instructions. You're going to go into this city and you're going to take it, but you're not to take any of the spoils from this town at all. Bring nothing back out of it. All their gold, their silver, anything that's of value, you leave it there. I'm going to take care of you. You're moved in the promised land. I've got this. This is what happens. And Joshua said to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight. I mean, this, you don't know how much money, how many days of work that is for an Israelite. So then I coveted them and I took them and behold, They were concealed in the earth inside my tent, the silver underneath. Now, see, this is what you don't understand. Their army was defeated. People died at Ai, and they were overrun and run out because Achaean sin. It affected the entire nation of Israel just because he had this little bit of stuff hid up under his tent. And once he confessed his sins... And it was removed from under the tent. It was restored to the nation, but Achan and all of those around him, all of his descendants died. They were, they were killed. So his decision not only affected him, it affected the entirety of, of all of the generations of him. There was no more. He was wiped out because of this. The nation was restored back. But he was not. 
I mean, think about this in our lives. When we go out and we try to grasp and take life on our own, into our own hands, in our independence, God is not moving fast enough for us. God is not doing what I want or I desire. And we go out and try to grasp it with our hands. Does it bring us fulfillment? I'm going to tell you that the majority of the things that we try to grasp and take on our own bring us pain and burdens. When we think of ourselves and when we go out and act independently of what God would desire for us, it affects us and can destroy us and those who are around us. We have to remain focused. We live in a day and age of ADD, right? Attention deficit disorder. We cannot keep our minds focused on anything, right? We even take meds so that we can just try to stay clear and remain, remain focused. This is how important this is for our generation. I wonder sometimes, I truly wonder, if our lack of focus over history has brought us to the point of where we are today. Has the fact that we have not remained focused on God as a country, now we deal with that individually in so many day, different ways. And now it's something that's just accepted. I mean, we accept this now. And we accept this by saying, you know what, I have this issue, so I can't stay focused. No, no. We can overcome all things through Christ Jesus. Amen? I'm not telling you not that you don't need medicines for certain things. What I am trying to tell you is that that medicine is not your cure. Christ is your cure. And that will help bring us to the point of where we need to get back to. So stop thinking about ourselves individually. When we make decisions, think about how it's going to affect those around us. Think about in the body of Christ how that's going to affect us corporately. What things would not be said if, if we thought it was going to have a, a major effect on the body of Christ? What actions would we, would we wait and think about for just a moment if we realize how it was going to affect the body of Christ. We need to stop thinking about ourselves. We need to put Christ first and, and keep things in focus. The second part of this is not, not about autonomy, but about submission. Submission is focused on dependence. It's about needs and giving. Giving, excuse me. He says this, Do not worry then about what you will eat, what you will drink, what for clothing. The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Taken from you? They'll be added to you. God gives us, when we get our priorities right, when we realize that our life is dependent upon him, he gives to us. John told a story in, in Sunday school this morning about a, a, a need for a job. And he was, as he was looking for a job, two jobs came open for John. One he was about to take, and then all of a sudden someone came up and offered John another job. And it was actually even better than the one that he was offered before. He took that job. He said he took that job 
in what? He, he was leery of it because it was too good to be true. But God gave it to him. And he realizes that now. He's in this morning. It was a praise in our Sunday school class. Tamara had a job one time, a very good job. She worked a ton of hours for what she got paid and for what God had blessed us with. And we thought, this is really wonderful. And, you know, we loved it. She loved it. She loved the job. And she didn't want to leave the job. But she prayed this. If you want me to have another job where I can spend more time with my family, you need to give me a better job. What happened, Tamara? That night, she gets a phone call from someone that we have not heard from in years that she has affiliation with back through nursing and told her about a job opening. That's the job she has today. More money, less hours. Amen. (laughs) Is that not a blessing? That's how, you see, God knows. God knows. Do you get this? God knows. He knows where he wants you to be and how he, wants, how he wants it to play out. Your life is in his hands. Our job is to, to live in dependence of him. That is submission. That is stop trying to make the decisions that you think are best for you and make the decisions that are best for your relationship with God and those who are around you. And if we will start to think that way, if we will start to live that way, our life will change. Listen to verse 2 and 3 of Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Let's go back up. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes makes me lie down in green pastures. That sounds pretty rough, doesn't it? No. He is going to give me rest in a great place. He's going to take care of me that way. He leads me beside the quiet waters, the things that I need the most, the still waters. He restores my soul. We are running on empty, some of us, myself included, because we try to do too much stuff in and of our own power because we think we can I don't need God for this. I got this. I don't need to bother God with this because I can do it in and of my own strength. If it doesn't turn out bad, it wears us out. God restores our soul. He gives us what we need to restore us and bring us back to field. Remember how we talked about being filled up with the Spirit? In other words, the Holy Spirit is in us. We've gotten all that we're going to to get of the Holy Spirit when we accept Christ Jesus as our Savior. The problem is, is that we live on empty because we live trying to do this stuff on our own. If we live in the power of Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we are filled up. So when we need to be restored, that means we are trying to live it on our own. Just give it up and lay it down. Submit it to Him and let Him fill you up. Let him fill you back up. Let him bring about that restoration. And then it says this, He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He's going to take you down the road that you need to go. We're going to learn later in chapter 7, that is a narrow path. But it is the road less chosen, but it is the road which he would have us go upon. And he's going to guide us down that. 
He is my spiritual guide. I don't need a psychic. I need the Father. I don't need somebody to tell me what they think is going to happen to me in the future. I need to trust in God so that he walks me down the right path. And if I do that, and he's restored my soul, and if he's taking care of all of my needs, if I've got rest, if I've been filled up with the nutrition that I need physically because he's, lead, he's led me by the still waters, he's taking care of everything for me. He's got this. He knows what he wants for you, and he's got it. That's why these two go together. Faith and focus in this whole passage right here, where he's talking about how we get off the, get off the path or miss the mark, is because we lose faith and we lose focus. We can't, some of us can't handle prosperity. <laughs> We're blessed and we go, sweet, I'm going to take this and run with it now because I'm not going to get any more than this. The truth is, is that God has so much more he wants to give us. Take that blessing, sow that blessing, and then reap more. And that's what he tells us in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 6, 9, 6, and 8. Now I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance for every good deed. Wow. Vacation Bible school this week. Me and Taylor had um, a thing going on in the sense that she was trying to raise money from her side over here, and I was trying to raise money on this side from the kids that were on this side, all right? The deal was is that the loser got a pie in the face, right? When the kids found out that they could get a pie in my face, you have never seen such a motivated group of individuals in your entire life. I'm not joking. The first night, the offering was $5 to about, what, $8, all right? She had more kids on her side, by the way. And, and, uh, and I noticed this. All the adults seemed to gravitate to this side once, once we started the week. So we're talking like $5, $8, all right? The next two nights, $5 were brought in instead of $1 bills, all right? We had kids emptying their piggy bank and stuff. We went from like five or less than ten dollars a piece to buy by the time we got to wednesday we both had probably i had like 30 she had like 50 bucks okay the last night the kids went home man we have stories of kids going home mama i need a 20 <laughs> pastor tim needs to go down she ended up with 140 dollars on her side i ended up with 80 dollars I mean, Katie received to go on her mission trip in the totality of all. I told that story on Friday night when we were eating. Someone came up and gave another $100. This has nothing to, see, they prefaced it and said, this does not get you out of getting a pie in your face. But I'm giving this. She ended up with over $340 raised for her mission trip. 
Here's what I'm saying. Do you get this? These kids got this. The more I give, the better it's going to get. We don't have that mentality, is it? Or do we? Our mentality is, is when it comes to me, I need to keep as much as I can in case I don't have later. This passage is so antithesis for that. It says we got to sow. We got to sow everything. So if we have more time, that is more time for who? Me. That is more free time for me. Nobody thinks, man, oh, wow, I'm going to work less so that I can give more time to my church. People don't think, oh, you know, I want to go serve somewhere else with that time. What do they think? I can go fishing. I can go play some golf. I can sleep. I can do what? We need to understand that when God blesses us with more of something, it's not necessarily for us. There are times when we need healing. But when I'm saying when we're rested up, get back in the game. Because God wants us to sow it. And here's the deal, though. We start thinking, well, if I start sowing, I'm going to run out. If I start just freely giving away my time, I'm going to run out of time. If I start freely giving away my finances, I'm going to run out of money. That's not what this says. This says if we trust in God and truly believe in that, and our life is lived in submission to Him, that we will never outgive Him. We will always have seed to sow. Always have seed to sow. Brother Paul will tell anybody about Jesus Christ. Amen? You know why? Because anytime he gets the opportunity, he sows it. So what does God do? You're probably going, how does Brother Paul get so many opportunities to, to tell people about Jesus? It's because God puts him in places where he can tell people about Jesus because he knows he will. He knows he will. Brother Paul sows. And guess what? He gives him plenty and plenty of opportunities to sow that seed. Why? Because he knows he's going to be faithful for that which he's been given. If you put him in a room with somebody, somebody's going to know about, to hear about Jesus before they walk out of there. Amen? That's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. We've talked about George Mueller before. George Mueller took care of kids. He was given money. Millions of dollars in today's money. Died with about 800 bucks to his name, but had over $8 million flow through his hands took care of hundreds and hundreds of kids and facilities and ministries that, are, that he started and that are still established today, hundreds of years ago. Why? Because God knew that he was going to be faithful with that. And so as it flowed in, Mueller sowed it. We're going to learn in chapter 7, we don't have because we don't ask. And we don't have because we ask with the wrong motive. We're getting there. We're talking about these choices in chapter 7 that we got to make. But he's telling us here in chapter 6, trust in me. Before you get to these choices that you're going to have to make in all these decisions, where you're going to have to choose, trust in me. Submit your life to me. Stay focused. 
Don't get off the path. Because when we start thinking about ourselves, man, I can throw some pity parties. Can I not, darling? Amen. Amen. Woe is me. I'm the worst person ever. God hates me. I'm sorry. I can't get this done. Then she smacks me around a little bit. No, she doesn't. You know what she does for me? She says, I'll pray for you through that. And after I get over myself in just a little while, I can stand up again, and I'm ready to go. Like one of them little toys, you just kind of wind me up in the back. And once that happens, set me back down on the ground. But somehow or another, in the journey of all that, I lose focus, and I start losing it, and I just get weak and to the point where I want to stop. Here comes a party. Here she comes. I'm going to pray for you. Wind him back up, Lord. This is us. Why am I telling you this? It's because it's every single one of us. I don't know where you are. You may be pumped to the gills right now. You may be so filled up. But I'm imagining half of us are running on a half-empty tank, and some of us are just slap-empty. got to lay it down. And as we lay it down, God is going to fill us up. And as he fills us up, what do we do? Go buy a new boat with it? Woohoo! Get a bigger house with it? Whatever we do with our time, are we just going to go do more of this with it? No. Sow it. Sow it. And then we're going to see the harvest get more and more bountiful. I'll tell you what the encouraging thing for me was in all this. Last year when we did vacation Bible school, we ran about this many kids. I'm not telling you that we ran more kids than we, than we ran last year. Last year, though, kids came and went. I bet you in total there was probably 25 different children that were a part of our vacation Bible school. This year, we had 13 on Monday. All 13 came back on Tuesday and brought one more with them. All 14 came back on Wednesday, and we had two more with them. All 16 came back on Thursday and had one more with them. Are you following me? Every day we increased. More people came, but everybody came back every day. And you know what that means to me? And what that shows me is that everybody in here was building a relationship with kids and not just doing VBS. And as we poured into the kids, the kids wanted to come back. They were having a good time. And when they came back and they had a good time, guess what they did the next day? Brought somebody with them. And it wasn't huge. But I'm going to tell you, if we keep that mentality, what's going to happen in 2019? We're going to go from 20, one of these days, we're going to go from 20 to 25 to 35 to 40 to 50 kids by the end of the week. And we're going to see God multiply that out if we just keep sowing it. Just keep sowing it. Nine o'clock at night, people still in here. Cleaning it, getting it ready for what needed to be done the next day. It's amazing, amazing of what it did this week. And if anything else, it was for your pastor to pump him up. 
And so I'm telling you, when we get like this, if we will just sow it back out, because by Thursday, there were some very, very tired people here. And last and Friday night at 7.30, everybody was going, Woohoo! Back it up! It's going to have a profound effect on us. Profound effect. I know it. We're going to bear fruit from it. I don't know how yet. I don't know which way it's coming. But we're going to see that. Do you believe it? I do. Because we sowed this past week. And we all sowed hard. None of that's going to return void. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for um, this day and just the opportunity to open up your word and to to learn more about you and, and what you would have to say to us. And Father, as you've spoke to us on the Sermon on the Mount, you're just leading us. You're leading us and you're building and you're building. And, and Father, as you do that in our lives, Father, um, we grow up. And Father, as we grow up, we grow out. And things begin to change in our lives. Sometimes they're, they're difficult things because we have to lay down some things that we were holding on to. But Father, I pray right now for our focus. I pray that our intensity will increase because we're being filled with you. Not because we're t- having to give more and do more in, in and of ourselves. But Father, as we lay these things down and as we surrender them to you, you just fill us up because we get to see the praises and the blessings that you bestow upon us. Lord, as a congregation, I pray that you will help us stay the course. There are things that happen that cause us to be distracted. Help us not to to head down the wrong path or to turn around and go back just because there's a little adversity or because things pop up over here or over there. Lord, I pray that we will stay focused upon you. Pray that you will continue to give us guidance, that you will continue to direct us, and that you will continue to move us. This we ask in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.